Welcome to Powered by Her, exploring the stories of how area women power their business. Here, from the growing network of female entrepreneurs of the Upper Cumberland, with your host, Tiffany Anton, Director of Biz Foundry. Powered by Her starts now. Hi, it's Tiffany Anton in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center, and you're listening to Powered by Her. I'm Ashley Swan in today. I'm really excited. This has taken a long time to convince you to be here. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so you are, what is your official title with Food to the Rescue? Goodness, I guess founder and director. Director, founder and director. Yeah. So um, Food to the Rescue is a what? Nonprofit ministry. Okay. And this is an idea that you had, gosh, probably five, six years ago now? Um, Yeah, it's been three or four, I think. It was okay. right after the playground project ended and then... Kind of took a few months off and then got started right back at it. So it is a ministry that ministers to who are your um, customers or your um, children um, ages one to 17. And you are feeding students during school breaks. Yes, we actually deliver food to them right before a school break. So um, in case we missed it, it's called Food to the Rescue. Mm -hmm. And you had this idea um, and you kind of you have a heart for serving. You will get into the playground in a second. But um, you what made you decide to, Okay, I see this need and I need to fill this need. And how did you even think of the fact that there was a need out there? Gosh, honestly, um, it wasn't really me. It was the Lord. And. Um, after the playground project ended, I just, took, like I said, took a couple months off and then I just started praying and I said, you know, Lord, use me, use the gifts that you've given me and guide me into what it is that you want me to do. And so I just felt a very strong urgency to feed the kids. And honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and so I just started doing some research and I found that the backpack program did a really good job of feeding the kids on the weekends. Um, the backpack program uh, gives food bags to kids on Friday at school for them to take home for the, the two days at their home. And then, but what I found was they didn't give any extra food for the two week breaks that the kids are home. So, um, and there are programs too that feed the kids during the summertime, mm-hmm. and um, so the kids can come to the library mm-hmm. and um, get food. And those the, those programs were already in place as well. But yeah. what so the the issue was school breaks, mm-hmm. and then what was the other issue like for the summertime? Um, mainly just the kids having transportation to get the food. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where we kind of came up with the idea of actually delivering the food to the kids' homes for the break. At what? So. At, at I'm sure there are many points where people are like, "What? You're going to go to these people's homes mm-hmm. that um, don't have transportation, that don't have enough money um, to buy their own food." You're going to go to their house. Oh, yeah. A lot of people thought I was kind of crazy. And honestly, I didn't know what I was doing. I just was kind of taking directions from the Lord. So it's all worked out. Did you kind of have some conversations um, upstairs with um, (laughs) maybe you're kind of, you know. Yeah. Like, like, Lord, is this really what you're trying to tell me to do? Yeah. Like, how am I going to do this? Where am I going to get the resources? Where am I going to get the food? Where am I going to get the volunteers? And I just kind of went off the verse of like, if this is what he wants me to do, he will provide. And he sure has. Yeah. And so um, 
So you're from here, mm-hmm. born and raised mm-hmm. every, you know, you graduated from Cookville High School and all that good stuff. Um, Upperman, actually. Upper, oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> so same same area, but yeah. um, neighboring high school. And so um, as a kid, do you think you were, inv- you had a heart for service growing up in this area? Um, absolutely. Um, there were several times growing up um, where I found um, other kids in my class, you know, may have needed food or clothes. And I would always ask my mom, like, hey, how can we help this kid out? And um, she always, like one time, I remember going shopping. I was probably in seventh or eighth grade. And we went shopping for a kid and, like, went and took the clothes and put them on his doorstep so he never knew who they were from. How do you think, as a seventh grader, that you realize, you know, I think at some point we do know that that you're raised in a house that has more than others or or that your life looks differently than others. How do you think as a seventh grader, you realized you could go home and ask your mom to help out your friends? I just, it was kind of a long shot really, but I think my mom just saw how passionate I was, you know, and wanted to help that friend out that she was on board with it. And you probably, I mean, I'm guessing you just kind of realize like, well, I have these things and Shouldn't everybody right. kind of have those things too, you know? Right. Um, so do you think that you, as growing up, you kind of had those thoughts of like helping others. Do you think you wanted to make a bigger impact or were you kind of, you know, they, they, they say a lot like, oh, well, what did you want to be when you were little? And I'm sure, you know, how many times were you asked, what are you going to be when you grow up? What was your answer as a 10 year old? Do you remember what you? Gosh, what your no, are? I don't. I don't remember what your your big goals of like. No, I don't. Um, well, and you were an athlete, so yeah, that was probably your main probably focus. Professional basketball player, right? Like, of just <laughs> that was your focus, and yeah. and it's really, um, you know, somebody. And you went to college for mm-hmm. basketball, um, and somebody who's in that position, it's kind of like it's easy to just label them an athlete mm-hmm. and not to know like. Oh, there's more to them. They have this heart behind there. Yeah. Um, and and so I'm sure once, you know, you kind of got into the at the sports, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to make this impact on my community and um, make this place a better place. It was just kind of like, OK, well, I'm just this feels right at the moment. And yeah, I think it wasn't really until college, um, maybe even later in life that I kind of realized, you know, I needed to serve others and help others out and you know, not so much focus on myself, but how can I, how can I love others? Well, and you, I mean, you're, you're probably somewhat of a normal 18 to 22 year old. That's a college athlete. You went away, you went, went away to school. So you kind of got out of the area and you just kind of had fun playing basketball, being in college and doing mm-hmm. your thing and weren't like, yeah, I could really, you're an average 20 year old, yeah. <laughs> you know, not thinking <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, no. you know, I'm going to serve kids and I'm yeah. going to really make it, you know, change the dynamics. Right. So at some point you come back to Cookville and um, you get married, you start having kids, you start building kind of the community and the family atmosphere that mm-hmm. you um, loved about the area growing up. Um, and this playground project comes up. And so tell me a little bit about that. Goodness. Um, it was just uh, there was a group of us moms that we were always looking for a place to have play dates. We were all stay at home moms and we were all looking to get out of the house and hang out and let our kids play, have some adult time. And so um, we used to drive to Lebanon, Mount Juliet, 
if sometimes even further just to go to little splash pads or cool playgrounds. And so um, I was like, why not build one here? And so I actually, I lived in Florida for a small stint when I was younger and, um, and I had actually helped with a community built playground down there. And so I kind of looked up that company and then found information on it. And I was like, yeah, let's do this. Why not? <laughs> and, and quite quickly into the project, you got pregnant with twins. I did. Yep. <laughs> so you um, had, an, uh, you know, you kind of formed your team and you made, made, yeah. <laughs> you asked people to come on, um, jump in and um, you were in charge of a community build playground with two current children, two mm-hmm. current boys, pregnant with two other boys, yeah. and um, kind of led the efforts of this. Yeah, um, it, was, it was crazy. It was, it was a much larger project than I, than I had imagined. <laughs> in case you're just joining us, we have Ashley Swan with Food to the Rescue and just kind of overall community um, volunteer. And mm-hmm. um, so this was called Heart of the City is what it ended up being. And so um, the, the difference between a community build playground and a city playground is what? Well, it's not only built by the community, but the funds are raised by the community. So the city did not, it wasn't like the city has a you know half million dollars lying around that they're going to just invest into this thing. Um, there was a team of mainly moms. Right. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, not necessarily people who are running a business, mm-hmm. people who know about this, just a bunch of moms kind of going around. And um, one of the campaigns that you guys ran was the All In For 10 and and people literally donated $10 each. $10 each. And, that was a brilliant idea. <laughs> and um, thousands of dollars mm-hmm. were raised through mm-hmm. All In For 10. Yeah. Um, and so, and part of the, the, this is too, is that people, it's the community that's building the playground. Right. So tell me about that, how that all went. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was, uh, quite the effort fundraising and getting volunteers. But I think too, a lot of people wanted to get involved because, um, it was, it was a community thing. And so everybody wanted that feel of togetherness, you know, and everyone, um, and we did actually end up partnering with the city and they provided the land that we built the playground on. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun getting the community together and, um, and we got it done. And it wasn't even necessarily, um, there were people who were, they had, you had build captains, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and I remember there, there were build captains that didn't have kids, right. May never have kids. And, um, but they were out there part of it. And they, it wasn't like they were builders or construction. They just, like you said, they wanted um, to be a part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so got this playground built and, and really um, you were that driving force of the crazy idea of just, yeah, we can do that. Like, and, and the, the other aspect of this community um, playground is that it, it fits the special needs community as well. Yes. How important was that for you to, to make sure that that was a focal point of it? It was very important. Um, we were friends with um, Jeff from Rising Above Ministries, and he played a big role in um, fundraising and uh, the planning process of the playground. And so he had a special needs son. And so um, it was just very important. And once you know, we got to talking with him, um, there wasn't another all-inclusive playground in Cookville. So um, these kids or even was, anywhere close by. Yeah, yeah. And so um, we realized how important it was to have an all-inclusive, which meant 
you know, we have ramps in the playground for wheelchairs and we have special seats and chairs and, you know, for for uh, uh, even our merry-go-round, yes. you know, you could put a wheelchair on the merry-go-round, the mer- walk and, it in and, and spin. And the merry-go-round costs something like $20,000 or something. Oh, yes. It was it Ridiculous. was quite the expense. I think it was more than that, actually. And, and I mean, and it shipped here from overseas. Right. And, and shipping and that took, you know, a was, month to get it in. And um, oh, yeah. But but you and, and Kelly was your um, co-director of that. Um, yeah. You guys really felt like that was, n- nope, we're not going to, I mean, we are getting this merry-go-round. Oh, absolutely. It was a vital piece of the playground. I mean, and I, I, when I go over there now, like kids love it. Kids yeah. of all ages and and abilities. So Right. Yeah. And, and, and it is such a, a good addition to this community. And so... How do you think that working with the playground and seeing what this community could do really shaped the direction of food to the rescue? Wow. I mean, for one, it just it kind of put me in the position of being a leader and um, making relationships, building relationships with with people and businesses in town. Um, And so it really just kind of set me up to go right into another nonprofit. And do you think that you felt like that's interesting that you say it set you up as a leader. Do you think you felt like a leader before that? Yes. I mean, it all, you, but it was always usually in sports, um, yeah. basketball, the team captain, team captain always. Yeah. yeah. And then we did, I did intramural sports and I was always the person that, you know, put to put together the teams and yeah. Grabbed people. To play on the team, sort yeah. of like how I grab people to volunteer. Right. <laughs> so. Well, and I think it's interesting, though, as women, sometimes we have a hard time really like standing proud and standing tall and saying, yeah, I am a leader and I am going to grab these people and steer the ship and we are going to push it in this direction and we are going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as women, it's like, well, we're just a bunch of stay at home moms. And I mean, now you're running a, a nonprofit that serves this community and the county and a lot of children. Um, I mean, do you still try to pretend that you're a stay at home mom? Yeah, I mean, I am still a stay-at-home mom. I usually, um, even with running Food to the Rescue, I try to do, now that my twins are in school, um, all four of my kids are in school, so I usually try to do, um, I try to work on it during school hours, and then I always tell my volunteers, like, Three o'clock when I pick up my kids, everything's going to have to wait till tomorrow. Right. So. But you're, but you're our work, you're a working mom, you you know, but I think that it's hard for sometimes for women, um, to, to, to give themselves that, that grace. Like I am working yeah, and, but I am doing both and I, my children are a priority to me. And like you said, um, sometimes I think it, it's hard when you're running an organization, a business to say, okay, at three o'clock, that's, that's the end of it. But as you kind of, I'm sure at the beginning you were like, oh, yep, I got to answer everything all the time. And you had two small children still at home. Um, And so kind of figuring out what do you think has helped you figure out what boundaries that you need to be successful as a mom and as a director of a nonprofit? Well, probably the playground project, because I feel like, um, we were on all the time and I didn't because my kids at that time, I think all of them were at home that time that I never had a stopping point. And so I was texting and calling and emailing all the way up to dinner or later. Mm -hmm. And so I think from that project, it made me realize that I've got to turn it off and focus on my family. 
you yeah. know, once they're home. And then, yeah, and like you said, once the, the school starts, you have mm-hmm. an easy stopping point. Yeah. In case you're just joining us, we have Ashley Swan with Food to the Rescue in the Hinson Oakley Podcast Center. Um, so you st- feel like you're getting this message from God, serve kids with the food. Yep. Here's some of the holes that we see are school breaks and transportation are issues. So where do you get, figure out the resources to start a nonprofit and to get some money, get donations, get these volunteers? Well, that's the interesting part because, um, at first, I did partner with um, the Putnam County School Nutrition Department, and um, actually the hardest part was finding the kids to feed. <laughs> so you wouldn't think, um, but when I was asking for kids' addresses, you know, when I you're just starting out, people are like, do, do we trust this person? Right. They're going to come to my home. I'm going to give them my kid's age and what school they go to and my address, and so that was kind of the hard part. So it, it, and actually once we got, you know, when we first started with eight kids serving eight kids in and when, June of 2017. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, go ahead. And that was that summer. So you were summer. serving mm-hmm. eight kids that summer mm-hmm. where you had eight deliveries that you had to take out. Yep. And so we were picking up um, little bags of food from the school nutrition department. And then we were delivering food to those eight kids. And then it wasn't until that Christmas um, that we ended up signing up a hundred new families. So we went quickly from like eight and then we had around 24, 25, and then we went to like 250 kids. And so, um, once people and even friends and family realized that I was serious and I've got all these kids that I need to feed, more donations started to come in, more volunteers started to come in. And that's when I felt like, okay, I am doing the right thing because this is what God has called me to do because now things are starting to line up. Well, and, and I think one thing that as um, entrepreneurs, business owners, um, it's always like, okay, where do I now legitimize this? So, um, you know, the first couple times, I mean, there was a, a store in town that that's where you did your distribution from. You t- took out, the store had closed down and you people were picking up it's in the middle of downtown. People couldn't even park to come get the stuff, you know, so yeah. you're having all these issues with that. Um, so where do you, at what point do you stop and be like, okay, I got to stop running this from my house or stop running this and, and really legitimize what you're doing? Well, we got so large so quickly that we realized um, not only did we need a place to pack the food bags, which actually we do boxes now, um, but we also needed space for our volunteers and our delivery drivers to come in and pull in and park. And and actually, since um, the pandemic, we've actually uh, gone to like more of a drive through service. So the drivers stay in their car the whole time. They pull up and we say, hey, and get their name and information. And then we load their car and they take off. So it's actually a more efficient process now. But Well, and, and we, I've heard that a lot with the pandemic that mm-hmm. people, you have to pivot. And so then it ended, ends up kind of getting better than yeah. it was before. Um, how did that affect your families that these kids who usually, and for those who don't know, if you don't have children, um, school systems feed children often at, at the school. Mm-hmm. And so um, when they're not in school, they're not eating or they don't have the food that they normally have when they're in school. So suddenly we're hit and we're going to be out of school for three months. Mm-hmm. 
What'd you do then? (laughs) Well, um, as crazy as it sounds, uh, so spring break is normally only one week. And so when we were preparing for spring break in the past, we've only given one week worth of food. Um, This past year, right before the pandemic hit, we were preparing for two weeks of food. Well, we didn't even realize we were preparing for two weeks of food until it was time to pack. Well, we had already ordered and we had already planned for it. So we're like, you know what, let's just go ahead and give this um, extra food out. And, you know, I'm sure these families need it. And so then it, it kind of even gives me chills now because we didn't know what was coming. Um, but then, you know, once we delivered the food and then a weekend of spring break and then and that's when they called off school. Mm-hmm. We're not going back to school. And they were like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, it was like the Lord knew that these kids would need this food and we didn't. And so we were just glad that we ended up giving it. Yeah. Having some so, extras there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure. And we kind of mentioned a little bit where people um, thought you're driving to these people's houses. Yeah. Were there any times that you actually felt like, what am I? I, I this is not going to work. I need to turn around and cut and run and and this isn't I need to let this go absolutely there's been several times um you know it's it's definitely out of everyone's comfort zone to deliver um I myself have delivered to places that you know aren't as nice as you know your average house Um, you know, there's trailer parks and apartments and there may be more trash laying around, but all those people usually are loving and caring too, and they just need a chance and they need help and Mm -hmm. guidance. And so, um, when I first started, it was definitely out of my comfort zone. And, um, but the more that I delivered to these places and then saw how thankful the people were for the help and for the food, um, it kind of like opened my heart and just, you know, it kind of made the stress of like delivering to those places kind of fade away. Well, and I'm sure that there's, you have the responsibility of, yes, you're, you're feeding these kids, but you do have the responsibility of keeping your volunteers safe as well. Absolutely. And so that's gotta be a lot of pressure on you. It is. And I always tell people if you ever pull up to a place and you feel uncomfortable or there's an aggressive dog or anything like that, don't get out of your car, bring the food back and you know, I myself will deliver it or, you know, we'll find someone else, but I don't ever want anybody to feel unsafe or, you know, not comfortable doing mm-hmm. it, but it definitely, you definitely have to step out of your comfort zone when you, when you deliver. And it is eye-opening. Um, part of what you put in the box are prayer cards. Mm-hmm. And um, I have personally delivered for you guys before. And um, I went to one lo- lady's house and she had all the prayer cards taped to her door. Yeah. So she's, you know, and, and that kind of stuff, it's like, okay, this is, this is working. It's happening. Mm-hmm. These people, this is a need, a, a, a um, a shortcoming in the community that you're able to fill. Um, so what do you think comes next um, for food to the rescue in the future? How many, how many students are you serving now? We're currently serving around 650, um, give or take, you know, we got up to like right around 700 at the beginning of the summer, kind of at the, you know, when the pandemic, um, but then we actually lost some people because a lot of times people move people, um, their phones get cut off. And so if we can't contact them, um, to know if they live in that location or not, we can't deliver to them. So we're currently right around 650. 650 mm-hmm. throughout the county. Um, mm-hmm. And so what what comes next? What, what comes next? Gosh. Um, you know, 
we've been trying to grow our teacher snack program. And that's where um, we feel like, you know, teachers do enough for the students. And so a lot of the teachers like to keep snacks in their drawer and in the classroom. And so um, there's plenty of kids that, you know, they come to school hungry. Sure, the the school feeds them, but then there's also like a snack time. I mean, everybody gets like a mid-morning snack and Uh gets hungry. So we've been trying to... um, to reach out to the teachers and and just provide them with classroom snacks. So, what do you do you think that this will grow outside of Putnam County at some point? Oh, absolutely. I've had um, you know, people in Overton County, White County ask me, you know, how to get started and I've been more than willing to to help them get started, but I don't know if Food to the Rescue is in a position right now to actually Almost. deliver that direction yeah or, or even franchise out to, yeah. as you the director of mm-hmm. have you ever thought of um doing some public speaking about kind of the service that you do mm, i don't enjoy public <laughs> speaking very much <laughs> you need to hire a, a pr person that can yeah. go out but you know i think yeah. this could be something that could um you know i think you're you you're you're impacting this little part of the world yeah but you could really impact the country with a program like this that people mm-hmm. don't even um know that there's a need I, I mean I never thought that I, I knew that that kids don't eat when they go home but I never thought about the fact that like they need the food brought to them that yeah. that's that's one of the issues with right. this whole thing well, there's multiple food pantries around town but um my focus is the kids and so you know if the kids don't have transportation to get the food then it's best to you know we take it to them well and it's not even you know if they're in a situation where their parents you mm-hmm. know it's you know no kids obviously really have the transportation but right. a lot of them their parents you know have no way to get there either right. and um serve that so mm-hmm. um anything else that you want to tell us about food to the rescue or any advice that you maybe have about um Starting a nonprofit and starting a, a ministry. Well, uh, I guess first of all, we're doing spread the love um, September, which is we're collecting peanut butter, and that's where the spread the love comes from. And so we give, we try to give um, a jar of peanut butter per child each distribution. So we do six distributions throughout the year. That's um, fall, winter, spring, and then three in the summer. And so we try to do one jar of peanut butter each one. So um, that's we're trying to collect 4,500 jars of peanut butter for the whole year. Wow. Yeah. And so right now, if people wanted to donate peanut butter, how mm-hmm. can they do that? Um, you can either donate monetarily online um, at our website at foodtotherescue.org. Or if you're local, um, you can drop off peanut butter at First National Bank, Carlin Insurance, F&M Bank. Are all these places on your website? Are they all listed on your website? They are. So people can go to foodtotherescue.org and figure out where they could donate in person Mm -hmm. or they can donate monetarily online. Mm -hmm. Um, And the next thing I was going to tell you about is the sponsor a child. So in December, we have a really cool. Yes, we have a a Christmas ornament. Yeah, we have a really cool. um, And so this year's ornament is going to be Mr. Peanut. So we're super excited about him because he's so cute. And um, so for $50, you sponsor a child, and then we will give you um, a little ornament to hang on your tree. That is one of the um, 
mascots. Not, yeah, mascots yeah. of the lo- your logo, logo that has mm-hmm. the food to the rescue. And so we've yeah. had ca- a carrot before, right? Carrot. Mm-hmm. And who was the other one? A tomato or apple? apple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then it was, this year it was either between the grape or the peanut. And so, so we Mr. chose peanut. the peanut. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so adopt a child, and that will. Can they do that through the website as they well? They can. Yep. Um, and there are other locations around town that sell the ornaments. Mm-hmm. It's a great gift to give somebody. You know, your best friend who always says, eh, "I don't want anything for Christmas," mm-hmm. and um, you can you're making a donation, but then you can also give them something uh, um, as well. And I collect them on my tree. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and do you have social media? You have a Facebook page, and we it's, do. Instagram. It's food to the rescue. The number, number two. two. <laughs> and um, Facebook is food to the rescue. Tn food to the okay. Yeah. So people can find you, and um, I I wish you the best of luck, and I can't Thank wait you. to see where this goes and see. Um, it's just amazing how much it has grown in the past three, you know, just over three years and mm-hmm. what you've done and the impact that you, um, I hope you really stop and, and take a deep breath now and then and realize the impact that you have made on this community. So yeah. I have been, like I said, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to get her into the studio. And yeah. so you guys can hear her story. And so thank you, Ashley, so much for coming yes, in today. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to Powered by Her. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.